This is the Phantom Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with Francie. Thank you for coming on the podcast uh, for the first time. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, it's and I'm doing good. Sorry, to... just enjoying my day, y'all. Yeah, that's nice. It, it's, it's cool to talk to people around the world, you know, using these tools. And uh, sometimes they're hard to use. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're here and we're live. And you are a, uh, a dreamer, podcaster, male lady, and male mental health advocate. And I uh, also want to tell people that we are a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. You see the icon on the top. So later, people use a, a coupon code and get one month free on that platform to check it out. We are a featured podcast on that platform. That's an audio-only platform. We'll be on there later today. And uh, I just want to thank you again for being on the show. This is actually going to be episode episode um, of the podcast, we're at 965 episodes since 2016. Now tracking out on Apple podcast. And this episode, we're going to get into, uh, like your website says, what is life with Francie? That's the topic today. And uh, we'll go back to your, your link and people will be able to con connect with you on your link tree, life with Francie. For those of you just listening on audio, that will be fully clickable the link tree life with Francie. So thank you for being on the show again today. Yeah, I love that. This is new to me, so I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so like you uh, you moved from Puerto Rico to the US. You're like you're in, you're in Kansas right now or you're somewhere else? Yeah, so a uh, little bit about me. Uh, was born in New York, but raised in Puerto Rico with uh, a Puerto Rican mom and a Eurekan mom. So my biological father was just uh, born and raised in New York, but his parents are from Puerto Rico. And then that situation didn't work out. So we moved that back to Puerto Rico and I had a great childhood over there. And some things happened that I was not happy with my mom. So I decided to come and live with my biological father when I was 15 years old. And now I just been in, I went to Maryland and from Maryland, I came to Kansas and I have been in Kansas for the past 18 years now, time flies. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to you from New Hampshire. So um, I've been a Northeastern kid, I was born in Mass. But um, yeah, so the, the, it's interesting to, that, that you've, uh, you know, have been in these different places, but like you're telling your story about I think a part of your background, we, we were talking about mental health, self-love, self-care, trauma, and your hobbies, and the fact that you're a podcaster, so we can kind of get into it. Maybe you want to give a little bit back background. Um, um, you can take a choice where you want to start um, with, your, with your life story, maybe. Yeah, so um, like I said, I had a great childhood. My mom and my dad, who took me in when I was one, I just don't like the, the phrase for stepdad because he's like so much more. And uh, they gave me a great childhood with a lot of cousins. I got like 50 cousins in between both families. And so it was a lot of hectic, uh, five to 10 kids. And, but then at nine years old, my biological father just decided to show up and bust that bubble off like innocence and love and care and everything. He introduced me to abandonment, um, uh, problems, you know, things like that. So things didn't work out, we didn't stay in touch. And that's how I was introduced to depression, you know, because I was hurt because I wasn't having contact with him. And now at that time I had a, a half brother. So uh, that was a lot for a nine, 10 year old child to process as to mm -hmm. why are you with him, but you're not with me. And then why can I get to just go visit and all that stuff. So anger shows up as well. And now my mom doesn't know how to handle this sweet little girl that turned angry. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then as teenager, hormones kick in and I have sex. Well, I have a relationship with my mom where she knows that I did something. Like if I ask her questions, she knows already the answer because she already knew what I already did. So mm -hmm. instead of having 
conversation about it. Like, was it consensual? Was it okay? Are you okay? What's happening? She called the judge and said, hey, uh, come and marry my daughter. I was 14 years old. Oh, wow. Just like, just so, very, very strict kind of traditionals. Like if you, it's the first time you got to get married. Yep. Right? That's it. She is not going to have that nonsense in her house. So you are going to respect her and respect her rules, which I appreciate the respect part. You know, yeah. that was a huge yeah. part of her family. Respect between, uh, a child and adult, adult with child, you know, so things like that. So, you know, all of that, I was done with her. If you call yes. the judge, that was on a Monday and a Wednesday, she had the judge come in on a Friday, I'm out. So I went yeah. and got married. Of mm. course, that didn't work out. And yeah. I called my biological father, who was a stranger still, like, hey, stranger that I only met once, it's your turn now. Let me go with you. So he bought the ticket and I left Puerto Rico at 15 years old. Wow. Uh, I left the language, the culture, the family, the friends, everything, and restarting it. Is that a big cultural shock? Is that that must be a big shock to move from a from a culture like that where you're probably more, more comfortable and you're seeing more people like yourself. And then you go to a place where you probably don't see people like yourself as much. And it's got a totally different culture, you know, in terms of like the, the American Midwest versus Puerto Rico must be like two different worlds. <laughs> it was insane. The school parts, our school are more open. So it's more building alongside. And the classes, like mm -hmm. between classes, you're outside. You're not inside a building. Um, mm -hmm. the lunches, it was for free and we had like a whole meal, rice, beans, burritos, milk, all kinds of stuff. And yeah. I grew up with 24 cousins. So I had a cousin in each grade. So I thought that yeah, I grew in school, you know? Yeah, you got a big family. <laughs> Not by yourself. You know, you must've been hard yeah. to kind of get inserted where you're different than the, the than the majority. And then you don't have the backup of all that family. You don't have the food. That's a big thing culturally. If your food is totally changed, then you're not, you know, I can I had to eat leftovers. Yeah. That was the yeah, first type of abuse <laughs> that my biological father did. He gave me a PhD. I have a weird sense of humor. So it's like my coping <laughs> mechanism. But that was like my first thing of abuse was eat, feeding me leftovers because I'm an yeah. only child. So my meals were fresh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And if my mom or my dad didn't like something, my mom would make me something else. Oh, wow. <laughs> like Maybe that's huge with my friends because they have multiple kids and they yeah. do of like, if you don't eat what's on the table, you're not going to eat. And I'm like, uh-uh, I don't think so. That's not happening. I'll get up. I'll make them something to eat because that's like a huge trigger for me <laughs> when yeah. it comes to food. But it's just because I was an only child. And I was blessing that part that my mom had the time and she was a stay at home mom. So if I wanted a different meal, she just gave me a different meal. But then when yeah. it comes to friends, you know, I had this friend's childhood from kindergarten to ninth grade. We were in the same school. So that's a family when it, it, in it with itself, you know? Yeah, best friend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a friend. I, I'm still friends with from when I was in elementary school and where I'm like 55 and he's 54 and we still talk. You know, even though he, li yeah. like, he lives in Albany, I live in New Hampshire. We were just talking before the podcast and we, you know, we were friends from like playing Legos together to like being, you know, having like kids. Now, now we have families, but, you know, but we still talk and that kind of friendship is like really core to have somebody that, you know, that close to you, yeah. that kind of knows you. You know, I, I have at that. least 10 people that were with me in kindergarten. So I have known them for 20 years, <laughs> 30, yeah, 30 years. Deal. Oh my God, because I'm 35. So for 30 years, I have had the same friends. <laughs> so then I, I think moved it's good to have that here. kind of connection. Yeah, yes, that's important. It is. That helps you like feel connected to the world. 
can like if you don't if you feel very isolated and you're very kind of shut out then 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 that causes its own problems so maybe you talk about like how that was dealing with kansas dealing with the midwest how 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 was that well yeah then the friends are different over here because everybody has mm. their twigs i came in on junior year to an mm. english as a second language school so then i got introduced to all these different cultures and then especially within the um, latin community because you know you have the I'm better than Mexican, I'm better no, than Panama, no. Panama is better than Salvador, Salvador is better oh, than so this. Whole, you know, so we have all of that. Level, yeah, <laughs> level thing going on. Like in the Caribbean. And then you get you know, to school. Yeah, I mean, the Caribbean, my wife from Barbados, but some people from West Indies or Bahamas or Jamaica, and they're like, mm -hmm. oh, this is better than that, and, you know. <laughs> yeah, we got it within the Caribbean, too, because the islands fight which island is better. Yeah, <laughs> of better, course, yeah. Puerto Rico is better. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, I was like, I called my mom, and I remember it was like the first week or second week of school, and I was like, mom, why don't we like Mexicans? Like, that was literally a question that I asked because I was confused. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know. And I was like, I don't know either. I, I'm meeting Mexicans. I was like, mom, when was like the last time that you met somebody from El Salvador? Like, why do we have this thing between cultures and we really don't even know each other? You know, so it wasn't until I came to America that I was like, it's oh my like gosh. A, so I yeah. had a bestie from El Salvador. Yeah, I had a, a bestie sick. from Uruguay. It was awesome to see all the difference. <laughs> Well, that's it's really so the, interesting about the segmentation. You know, I, yeah, I mean, I grew up in a Portuguese neighborhood in, in, in outside of Boston, and you know, and there was like there was a Portuguese neighborhood, there was an Irish neighborhood, there was like you know, there's all these different Catholic kind of neighborhood, but it was very segmented. Like I was outside of Boston, and even if you go into Boston, oh, what happened? Yep, we lost you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I mean, you get very segmented structures and then you like if you even like you're saying there's segmentation among people from from the islands or from you know mm -hmm. different you and sometimes the major culture is like well if you're speaking spanish they figure you're all the same and then they don't understand the differences oh and even in yeah african i got that wake-up call yeah i mean <laughs> if you're african-american and you're from boston versus atlanta it's like you're not that you mm -hmm. know somebody in the majority culture they say well you're both the same it's like you know a Boston black person versus a person from Atlanta, they're not the same at all. You know, mm -mm. it's culturally very different. And people don't mm -hmm. sometimes don't get that. And the majority culture, they're like, oh, you guys are all the same. <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah, um, no, definitely <laughs> not. So, uh, yeah, when it comes to Spanish, you know, there were some words that you would say it and everybody would laugh and you'd be like, oh my gosh, what did I say? And they're like, well, your word doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Yeah. You know, like things like that. It was a lot. It's uh, so funny. But then um, at the end of the year, they will give a test to the school to see how, where your English was at. And it comes mm -hmm. out that I was a genius and I came up on the top 10 of the school. So they sent me to an American school. So now another. Wow culture shock in, uh, in my senior year, no less. Wow. So I go so to an American lost, school like, now. Did you lose a Everything. lot of friends because like you're moving to this? Yeah, they, they sometimes they don't understand that when they move you into another thing. They don't realize the sociological impact. Like they're thinking about mm -hmm. education, you know, maybe thinking they're going to give you more opportunity without thinking about the sociological aspect, which is important. Yeah, I understand people yeah. want to move up, but it's like, or getting uh, better opportunities, but then they forget about the other pieces of of your of your life. And I needed the resources still, because even though I could understand English and I could read it and write it, I still needed help with the cultural differences and all the school differences and things like that. So that now you threw me on everything American, everything is in English. 
And I mean, I'm still thrive. And I still graduated the year that I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And that was like my biggest accomplishment too. I started the podcast. I always say like, that's freaking awesome that I was able to graduate in a different country, in a different language, the year that I was supposed to. And six months into college. The what? Yeah, I mean, that shows that you the, 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 it shows that you were very, um, you know, dedicated to mm-hmm. to try and you making it. So that, that that's important that you had to drive to do that. Oh yeah, um, I, in in Puerto Rico, we always had it one English class from elementary school till you know all the classes. You always had to have that. And then you had to do homeworks and things like that. And between, because I was raised between Puerto Rico and New York. Then when I was with my cousins from New York, from the East Coast, then they will make me speak English. So it's like, I already had the practice. So then I had just had to practice more on the writing. And, but I was very focused because I always, I, I wanted to learn five languages, but I only know two, but that was like my passion growing up because Mm -hmm. for one, I love talking (laughs) and I'm like, whatever language I'm like, okay, well now I got to learn Russia because I know somebody from Russia or like, uh, Australia, whatever, you know, it didn't matter. Like I need to know Australia isn't English anyways. But, you know, just, you, you get the point, like, if I French, you know, yeah, yeah. so I wanted to learn different languages. I love yeah, that. I mean, but, I know, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's important, but I think, think a lot of Americans don't realize how important language is. Like, if you live in Europe or you live in Asia, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll see there's people who know multiple languages. They don't know Japanese, they don't know Taiwanese, they don't know Chinese, they don't know, you know, German. And I mean, I was living in Japan for two years. And I was, like, so, so, like, behind because I'm an American, don't know Spanish, only know English, doesn't don't know Japanese. And I had to learn Japanese while I'm working because I'm in a Japanese environment and they were like speaking Japanese. So I had interpreters and like special headsets and stuff to, and an interpreter yeah. with me all day and a translator. And I actually took classes with my sensei, but it was like, I was behind the eight ball compared to like, I, I knew this guy from Australia and this guy from Germany and they knew like five languages. And I'm like, like American system really doesn't prepare you for that kind of global world where I was meeting mm-hmm. people from all over the world. They had five languages and I only had one. And I'm like, that's that's a big hindrance. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the defense of America, I'm just going to say like America, it, uh, the country, it's just English is the first language as for Africa, Europe, you have the different states are different countries. So, you know, they travel more within countries. So, and like you somebody explained to me you from Africa, you have the different tribes. So you have to different countries, different towns. So you have to speak because I met somebody from Nigeria that knew 11 languages. I was like, how is that yeah. even possible? Yeah, <laughs> But it's just because of the access. If you want to have access to more people and you travel a yeah. lot, then uh, things like that. But yeah, I love it. I'm a, I, I can talk about languages forever because I so um, entertaining and like so awesome. Anyways, so it's cool parts and and uh, now my things between my relationship between my biological father it was never a father-daughter relationship it was more of like friends you know because i met him when i was uh, nine and then came to live with him when it was 15. now from the get-go it was wrong so he was trying to put the wrong message in me i went from my mom you know just not talking about sex or drugs or alcohol to like being more flexible and having those conversations, but not like a parenting talk, more like friends talking. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets a promotion in Kansas with the post office. So we move over here to Kansas and now his um, training goes to a different level because now he's going to teach me 
how to be the woman of the house and how to take care of a man and how to take care of the kids because I had to take care of my little brother. So a relationship that should have been father-daughter relationship in turn more into like a husband and wife relationship. And living with him for seven years, at the end of that relationship, the last three years, then I got a PhD on every single type of abuse. So he made sure that I lived it so mm -hmm. I can help other people that are going through it. So that's like my PG version. <laughs> so people get it that I speak in codes. Mm -hmm. If yeah. uh, you know, if you would like yeah, to know yeah. more, I'll know, I'll talk. I, I am an open book, but like I keep it PG. So I went through hell and back with him. And then my early twenties, I was in denial of everything that was happening. Mm -hmm. And I went to drugs and alcohol, you know. But because yeah. I was working for the post office, I still had to come to work. So I still, mm -hmm. if my attendance wasn't great. My uh, responsibilities and stuff it wasn't the greatest, but it was like my early 20s, you know. And then I met my partner and that was, it's been crazy in itself in the past decade. But when I left my biological father, then I went into straight depression because it's grieving, but I'm not grieving my father mm -hmm. and my brother. I'm grieving my husband and my son, you know, mm. metaphor, uh, metaphorically yeah, yeah. speaking, you know. So I was having a hard time between all of those emotions together because I was still not, um, the reality of all had not hit me yet. Yeah. And yeah, I had a hard time uh, seeing myself as a victim. So now it's all the denial. After the depression comes anger. So now I'm stuck in anger in for forever and a day. My boyfriend is trying to help me out. So now I hate him because he's trying to help me. And I'm an independent woman that got this. And I'm going to figure it out. If there's a problem, I'm just going to figure it out on my own. Well, that didn't work out for me, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I, I did, you know, I hit more bumps than I should have because I didn't want to take the help of everybody. And then my friends, they already knew that there was something weird in the relationship that we had together between my biological father and myself, but they didn't know how to handle mm -hmm. it or come to me or talk to me. So then they were trying to be a support, but that's a hard one because when you cross that line, there's not a lot of people that cross that line, but the, it just happens in between families. But then how do you handle mm -hmm. that conversation? It's not easy. Yeah, that's a, and yeah, a hard thing. It was, yeah. yeah. So it was a hard decade of holding it to myself, feeling guilt, shame, and responsibility that didn't belong to me. So now I'm struggling and I, I was just, like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. There was a couple of times, you know, that I just wanted to end it at all because of all, all of all of that. That was the shame. The shame was the most yeah. horrible. Yeah, it was hard. For, for those that are feeling shame, get rid of it. It's not mm -hmm. worth it. It is not worth it. Whatever happened, let it go. I know it's easier said than done, but let that shit go. Excuse my language. So, no, okay. and, <laughs> um, and then I found podcasting about six, seven years ago. So that was in my early 20s. I'm 35 now. Mm -hmm. And six years ago. So at the end of my 20s, I'm like, okay, enough is enough. I am not going to bring all of this stuff with me to my 30s. So I'm not doing the same things that I did in my 20s in my 30s. So this is enough. I started looking for therapy and mentors and podcasting. So I got into podcasting and it was mostly because I was into network marketing. So I always mm -hmm. had a multi-level marketing company that I was promoting. So I wanted the tools and resources, you know, to put myself on social media and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, get, get the sales <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah. And then I found out like you can find stuff through mental health and people were talking about big feelings and dreams 
journaling yeah. and diamond painting. And I was like, what is all of this? So yeah. I got my yeah. people that I still follow. And as podcasting helped me so much. And uh, yeah, with my career in the post office, because I am a male lady during the day, but I started at the plant where I was working nights. And mm -hmm. then I was done with the craziness that was happening in there. It was not a, a healthy environment for me. So I started getting myself ready to become a male lady. Well, they used to make fun of me because I was like so lazy and not do anything or whatever. And they would be like, you're not going to survive as the male lady because even yeah, though the, schedule, yeah. the yeah. male lady has to do it. Like, it doesn't matter how you feel, yeah, uh, what's going on in your life. You have to get it done and get it done with a smile. Not everybody does, but this male lady does. <laughs> wow. So that's a, big shift. that's a big shift from the, you didn't want to do that. And then you found you had to go to more discipline, which is like yep. quite harder. Yeah, it was because it wasn't a season that I was still feeling all of those nasty feelings. So I wasn't ready to be put into a more positive environment, but I wanted it so bad. I was seeking for structure. it so bad. So did the, structure I, I help you? Did, did the fact yes. that it had a schedule and a structure, was that something that would help you? The fact that once you got on that, did that actually help you? The rules and regulations were a lot different than the plant. So yes, I needed that. I needed that structure, I, it, which it was what I was missing too between my parents because my mom has like a structure and respect and a strong foundation where my biological father, it was more of like, whatever goes, goes. And it's the same thing with the post office. The plant was like that. And then switching the customer side, you know, you have to watch it because you have, you don't have your uh, coworkers watching you. You have the actual customers yeah, watching customer. you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, you gotta be, gotta be on your toes. Like, you know, yep. like, yeah, customer yeah. service. Is a whole different thing because then they, they can put and you're in the office is one thing being in front of the customer is a whole different thing <laughs> yep and not only that is like you go you go to these people's house like they don't come to you you go so to them every yeah. single day until you want mrs johnson pissed off at you because you misdeliver the mail no you no, don't <laughs> so uh that helped me out a lot switching uh, careers within the post office. And uh, that helped me become a little bit more responsible. I have a little bit more neutral on my emotions and um, be able to seek out for help, you know, and thank uh, God, you know, that the post office offers uh, EAP. Um, oh, so that's how you got therapy? You were able to yes. get the program? So you were yes. able to get like into therapist and through the through the services that you get through work, your benefits. Your benefits. Yes. yes. So yes. that's how I always make sure that I mention it because EAP is there for you. And I have used it a million times and I am not afraid to use it at any time. So you just check with your employee to see employer to see if they offer that kind of uh, programs. And yeah. then I guess the question though is like, is the was the shame and the guilt of it uh, kind of kept you from using those services for a while? Was there a point where you finally realized you needed to use this service? Do you remember like the point where you said, "Yeah, maybe I actually need to take advantage of that"? Well, um, I don't. Uh, well, I think you know, but when it comes to mental health, not a lot of people are comfortable talking about it, and that I mean my family mm -hmm. is like no you you don't go to therapy yeah. you just suck it up buttercup and you keep it going happy, you don't go yep <laughs> so yeah it was uncomfortable at the beginning just thinking that there's something wrong and mm -hmm. having shame and guilt over it and uh but then I, I finally was like I need to talk about it and then with therapy it is more of like the feelings, you know, to get you, to give you the tools and resources. But then when you're done with that season, what do you do? You know, so I, I like therapy and I am still in therapy, but 
I also the fact of coaches because then coaches give you the tools coaches, and resources right, coaches, on like yeah. how to move forward, especially if it's somebody that you can relate to. And that's how I found my a hmm. coach because for the longest time with on and off therapy, I was still stuck and I couldn't understand why. But it was because I was not hmm. talking about my trauma because I didn't feel comfortable in uh, talking to a therapist about it. Even though that mm -hmm. I know that they're professionals and they have it, they can't relate. They are not going through it. So yeah. you really stop yourself from talking about it, which I want to tell you, please don't. Please talk to your therapist and please get anything that you have holding in your throat, get it out just mm -hmm. because you will feel a lot better. And that's what I did when I was able to talk to my uh, coach of sexual trauma then I was able to speak more and freely. And it wasn't until um, after two years of therapy, of coaching with her, that I was able to say, hey, I am a survivor of incest. That is really hard and a tough mm -hmm. pill to swallow. It's a hard thing, But yeah. it helped me so much just to be able to say it. And by that time, like, I'm loving myself. So I was able to give myself grace and compassion and understanding and give a little bit of light. So as I'm going through all this healing, I'm still in my healing journey. I will be healing to the day I die. But yeah. um, when I was starting my healing journey, you know, I couldn't see that. I couldn't see me being able to say it on a live platform you know, mm -hmm. and not be triggered by it because I was having a lot of breakdowns. And it wasn't until, um, so at home, you're comfortable, right? And whatever happens at home stays at home. So I'm a little bit, I let the Puerto Rican out. I let it, I just say, you know, yeah, like yeah. sometimes there's a little <laughs> bit of high level talking, <laughs> uh, but not outside. And at work, you know, the male lady can be acting like that. And the male yeah. lady acted a fool with another coworker. And I was like, oh, no. So what is it? Because now I have done the therapy. Now I have done the coaching. What the heck can I do to get me out of it? And I did a mental health evaluation. And that helped me get diagnosed with seven different diagnoses where now I have the understanding of how my brain works and what is because of trauma and what is because I just was born with it. And mm -hmm. I just need to treat my brain different. It's not that there's something wrong with me. It's that my brain mm -hmm. is different and it needs different things. So uh, through the podcast has helped me a lot because uh, so six years I got into podcasting just as a listener. Four years ago, I was like, I'm going to have my own podcast. And my friends like, were like, just start it because I want to listen to it and you won't stop talking about it. So two years ago, almost two years ago, I hit record because I was already in a way that I wanted to talk more, especially about mental health, uh, mm -hmm. because I've seen it in my family, especially with depression and anxiety, that I wanted to be the voice to the voiceless and be like, hey. I have gone through it. I am literally going through it with you. Let me share you my journey in hopes that it gives you a roadmap to find what works for you. And then six months into my solo podcast about, you know how it is when you first start, you don't know, you just, you know that you have a passion for it and you want to do it, but you really don't know where it's going to lead yeah. you. Six months into it, a virtual assistant, uh, reach out to me and I took it as I was ready for guests. So now I bring people in that are experts in their trauma or experts on anything and come in to share their tools and resources. So I love that I have a platform now and I am very open about my trauma. I am very open about my mental health journey and all the tools and resources that I have used that got me to where I am today. Well, I think podcasting is really 
really it's a very powerful platform because like i got into it you know back in 2016 and i was primarily focused on musicians because i'm a producer i'm a musician and then you know i started talking to musicians and a lot of musicians and singer songwriters have a lot of problems because we write about them in our songs right and then i said well how can i seg into therapy and life coaching and mentoring and start bringing those people on because I was listening to all these stories from these singer songwriters that kind of exercise their demons in their music through their art. And I was talking mm -hmm. to poets and artists and uh, actors. And if, if you check with creative people, they use their art to kind of be a catharsis. And so they use it as like art therapy to work through their problems. You can see a lot of actors that will work through their issues through their art. And musicians, mm -hmm. we do the same thing. But I said, why not actually open that up and actually talk to actual therapists and life coaches and shamans and all kinds of people? So I started finding that this platform is so good to actually, you know, I learn so much and I get so much information by talking to so many different types of people that it assists me in my own mental health by hearing all these stories and knowing that like, wow, everybody has problems, everybody has issues and people have the courage to talk about it. I think, I think that, that the communication just going both ways is very powerful. And I think it, that is healing in itself to be able to continue to, you know, to open those doors to talk to people from all over the world. And I, I think that's why we love podcasting. I love it, yes. And that's, that's where I'm at now. Uh, especially with my journaling uh, journey, uh, trying to let that creative side come out because, you know, I don't want my pain to be in vain. And I, I just, I want to help others because I know that I have gone through hell on back and some of my stories is not like for everybody but it's for somebody out there. And if they feel, if they can relate, I send you a hug. I am so sorry that happened to you, but I'm here for you, you know? And mm -hmm. I'm hoping that when I share, you know, my tools and resources that somebody can be like, oh man, yeah, let me go and try that to see if that works out too, you know? And they can start their healing journey as well. But when you put it out there, you know, it's like it's like a lot of people have fear. Like fear is the is the kind of thing that like, it puts a ceiling on everybody, right? So the fear that stops you from, you know, telling your story, it stops you from kind of dealing with your reality. That you know, the day you actually challenge your fear and you go out and you speak with your voice and you say the things that you were scared to say, you know, or you put them down on paper, that's when you start to have movement. You know, you know, it takes people different points in their lives where they realize And I, you know, I, I was not, a very, I was a very shy person. I never even wanted to get public speaking at all. I never wanted to be in front of anything. And suddenly I realized as a musician, I was a keyboard player and I was always in the back. So the only way I'm going to get anywhere is I actually have to use my voice. I'm actually, have to, I'm actually have to sing a song. And we have to get in front of people and get in front of the mic. And that's a hard thing if you don't want to do it. But if you like have a passion to kind of finally get out there and start to tell your story, it kind of relates to like anybody who's gone through that kind of trauma of, of not having a voice or not being able to speak mm -hmm. your voice. The minute that you start talking to therapists and you can actually bring it out, you talk to a life coach, then you start to find that people go and they, they create their own, they become a life coach or they become a therapist or they become a podcaster because then they realize they have something to add to the conversation, right? Yep, yep, that's that's it, you know? And um, yeah, I don't know. I, do you want me to share some of my tools and resources that have helped me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe talk about like you, you made the journey from, you know, going to your therapist, you used your program, then you went to a life coach and you started doing your your podcast. So maybe talk about like your, the tools that you you're bringing to, to your public. Um, so I have always used journaling. Uh, always have notebooks, planners and things like that. So for anxiety that that was like, okay, so the person was the first one that knocked on my door 
And for depression, it's more of like feeling your feelings. You know, I have learned through all the time you know, that you just have to feel the feelings and sometimes just watch your face. And if you have to come back to bed, you come back to bed where you're like, oh man, I got up and I washed my face. So I am capable of doing stuff because when you're stuck in it and everything is, it gets very loud in your mind. So you have to like do some movement to come back and uh, then journal. <coughs> I either get prompts from uh, Pinterest as well as the prompts that my mentor used to give me, you know, I still go back and do the work because she was a sexual uh trauma coach and mm -hmm. she had a lot of tools and resources when it comes to topics like that so I like to go back because it brings me into self-love and self-care because mm -hmm. I was so detached because when you deal with that kind of abuse you're detached from your body because yeah, you have to mechanism. like leave to yeah. you, you as a coping mechanism so like bring your attention, like I didn't even know how disconnected I was from my body till I met her and how she helped me to get to where I am today that I can say, hey, I love myself. I'm awesome. You know, it just it took a long time to get here. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> with anxiety, I, I just I had to teach myself to have control. So that's when the planners came in. Because it's more of like, it's not just what I'm doing, it's how I handle the day. So mm -hmm. I can either write diff different planners for different seasons. I can have people that have color codes. I can't do the color codes. I need different planners for different uh, themes and things like that, and notebooks. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, the internet, I mean, there is between YouTube and podcasts, you can find a topic, help on any topic that you are able to. So I did uh, YouTube University, like people call it, you know, yeah. in all types of abuse, in all type of hard things that I was dealing with to help me go through it, you know. And now with my podcast, I'm offering a platform, you know, for other people to come in and talk about their things too and how they can help others so you have like therapists come in and coaches come in to talk about their, their different techniques and uh to describe like you know so that, that's kind of like what i've been doing is I, i've been having a lot of in the last two years bringing sex therapist in been an um you know abuse therapist coming in talking about you know sex trafficking therapists that actually brought, mm -hmm. get people out of that trade and talk about the process and I think it's just having that that different channel. I like to talk to a lot of different folks. I don't have a narrow focus. I kind of have a very expansive focus. And I know some people think that, you know, feel that they rather have a very specific focus, but my my approach has been to kind of have this really wide ranging focus. So like in your in your the way you work on your platform, do you have a have a particular focus or do you kind of have it like an open open door to like what you want to work on? I'm still working on it. I know that my main niche is mental health, but I think like right now I'm keeping it too abroad. So I'm trying to bring it down, but I just love talking to people, but it's mostly about mental health. I just love anything about it, either as a coach perspective or as somebody that went through hell and back and want to share this story. So when you first started podcasting, were you kind of just like telling your story in a solo podcast without any guests and you were just like using it as a way to kind of kind of express yourself in an open forum? And then you then you started to bring in, in guests when you started to see opportunities to have guests, right? Or that you, that's, yeah, that's you it started so crazy. It started mostly as like a journal, like a blogging journal. podcast. Yeah, you know, like I was talking about whatever was like, I was treating it like a reality show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I had to update people that don't even know me about my life and things like that. And it wasn't, you know, till like I'm going through it that I'm like, okay, you know, I want to share my journey. I want to share my story, but not so much focus on the present 
more of like the past. So then I'm, I'm starting to do like more of tools and resources of things that reminded me of whatever. And then I love doing my monthly reviews where I let you know how the month went because now mm -hmm. that I dash record for podcast interviews, like I'm done on my podcast for the year. So, but I still have solo episodes. So then on my solo episodes, I'm like, hey, this is what's happening in between the interviews because I'm so detached from the time that yeah. I recorded the interview to the oh, time so that I finished the interview. Oh, yeah, I'm a live podcaster just because it's my style. Like from the start, I've, I've always liked the way it works. I have, I used, to, when I first started, I did have kind of like a structured um, podcast, but I, as a musician, I, I'm kind of a stream of consciousness musician, more like jazz. So when I started doing my podcast, I still felt, I felt like I was better at kind of doing it in a live setting. And that was just my style. And I know there are people that like to have things that are more produced, but, but I just found it was kind of freeing to not have to, to think about being perfect. I just like to kind of just let it be what it is. And that, that's been yeah. my style. <laughs> you know? I get it. I love it. I'm here for it. But I'm real and raw in my uh, podcast and there's no editing. But live live, yeah, yeah prompt to you because I'm here freaking out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, live is kind of cool because you get the, what I feel about it is you get a very authentic vision or view of a person. Like it's, it's like a natural conversation. What I try to do with this show is we just have a natural conversation and we kind of go down wherever road it opens up. So if, I, if you start talking about something that I let, I kind of let you take the lead and we might have a, a overall, you know, point of mm -hmm. point thing that we want to talk about today. We're talking about life with Francie, right? So you're talking about that and we're just letting that evolve. And it's, it's kind of no rules other than what you want to talk about. And I find that it, people feel that that's authentic. They feel like, well, this isn't an infomercial. This isn't like mm -hmm. a pitch to sell brand yeah. X. This is actually talking to another human being and getting mm -hmm. their, their real point of view, right? And their real experience. And I think that yeah. people find useful because if you feel like, oh, they don't have a filter on this, they're telling the truth. I think people feel like, wow, that's something I should probably listen to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, for me, it's just I, since I have been in the podcasting world for so much, and I have seen the people that get to the top, 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 and then some of them have crashed because they have put a persona. But then when you're famous and uh, your persona is not the same, yeah. <laughs> then everybody's like, "Oh, the that," yeah. and I'm like, "I don't do all that," you know. Like I have to <laughs> know your personality. You know, you feel a good vibe between us. Be, before I bring you into my podcast, but like I, I love it. I love it. You're like tougher than me, stronger than me on that part because I just freak out. You know, I know this has gone smooth. My podcast usually goes smooth as well. I keep my my interviews between uh, thirty minutes to an hour, depending on the vibe that is going on. But my yeah. main question is just, what is life with you? You know, I just want to know. Who are you as a person? How did you get to where you at today? If you have something to promote, come promote it. If not, alrighty, well, have a good day. But I want to have those deep conversations of like, oh yeah, I went through it. And even if you didn't go through it, how did you achieve how you are today? Even if you had an easy life, but I haven't yeah. met one with an easy life yet. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my background is like I'm a cancer survivor. I was age 27. I had mm. a level three sarcoma. And it's kind of like, how did I change from being this really painfully shy person to this person that suddenly is doing podcasts and doing music and doing being in front of people? And, you know, the person that was pre-cancer, I wouldn't go in front of anything. I was in the back. And then, like, once I survived it, I actually survived. I mean, at age 27, I actually got through it, and I didn't die, and I, and I, and I made it through. And then I said, well, why am I scared of? Why am I scared of public speaking? Why am I afraid of being, like, in front of the band? Why am I afraid of talking to people? And I said, you know, if I can beat cancer, I can beat that. And I just, yeah. I just kind of pushed myself through 
because it was this thing that happened. I think when I find when I talk to a lot of people on the podcast, I find people have found had their own kind of you know, not cancer, but they've gone through something that made them realize that whatever was happening before wasn't working for them, that it wasn't allowed them to be who they really could be. They're not actualized. They're not being who they their best version of themselves. They've been holding themselves back. And I find like in the show, like that's why what, what we end up finding is that like, people who have kind of gone through something and then they've realized, well, this is who I am. You know, this, this is who I am right now. You know, wherever you were is like, where you are now. That's, that's where you're going. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for that journey now. <laughs> yeah. Cause that, that's wide open, you know, cause like you get the v- v- version of yourself where you don't know if you're going to make it. You know, people who feel like, oh, I don't know if I, I, I want to live in this world. And they get people, even though there's all, all these things, they find like the courage to say, hey, like, every day I get up is a benefit. Every day that I'm still around, even though things are like are tough, you can find like the gems to say like, wow, yeah, there is something to keep on going. And I, so it seems like in your story, you found a way to, to get beyond a really kind of like, like a tragic situation and make it a positive you know you take negative and you make it a positive i'm a buddhist so a lot of times we take negative energy and turn it into positive energy and we have the law of attraction if you feel good then good things will happen if you bring out that good energy then the law of attraction the good things will start happening and that path will start opening up it seems like that's where you're on what you're on yep yeah, it's been uh, the past few years I've been working on energy and bringing more positive energy towards me. And uh, last year, was it last year? Yeah, I think it was last year. Uh, my word of um, the year was peace. Uh, I never took picking that one again because January 4th, I had a panic attack. So I was like, oh, yeah, this is exactly how you start your year of peace. But I actually ended up a year as peaceful as you can imagine. You know, you mm-hmm. got in my organized chaos. That's what I call my life now, an organized chaos. Because I have um, Mail Lady during the day, podcaster at night, and then my immediate family as of right now is, has eight members in my family. So it's, it's pretty crazy at home, too. And I still find the time, and that's why I do the bash recording, so mm-hmm. I can have my podcast cover like it's done for the end of the year, because I wanted to finish it before October, because then the mail lady is working uh, oh, 12 to yeah. 14 hours, and yeah, I don't yeah. have time for anything from October till like February. We we don't see anybody. Oh, yeah, because you, you want to be out like the thing about social media and podcasting is like showing up is a big thing and having a regular schedule. So if you have like your product was well, not product, but, but maybe it is. But it's like the idea, like having your episodes be consistently out there. And like, I can understand why people pre-record to make sure that they're out there if they're doing all these other things and they can't do it live. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that that's a good thing to to actually be out there and have a schedule. Because that's one of the things I've heard is a lot of podcasts, you know, they feel after like 12 episodes. They, they yeah. people just stop. And, you know, I've been out there a long time, you know, like you know, since 2016. And I'm kind of like, well, I wasn't going to ever stop. That's my my thing is I got to keep on going. I mean, I've got albums and albums and like, I'm not the biggest recording artist around. I just don't stop. I keep on writing. And a lot of people, yeah. if, they don't hit, if they don't hit some goal, then they give up. My whole thing is like, if I show up, things happen. And I don't, and then like yep. to me, it's every step on the rung. Just because some song, you know, we write a hundred songs, two songs work, right? You know, you know, at a hundred, like when you're an artist, it's like a lot of times what you do, your ideas don't, all of them don't work. You don't, I don't look at those 98 as failures. They help me get to the two that work. But that's just a different, it's a mindset. Because if you have the mindset, well, hey, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna give up because only two of them worked, you know. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that that's the, the perspective you have to have. Because like sometimes you just do it. I love music because I do it because I love it. So yep. I'm gonna do it whether yeah. it works or not. 
Yep. Your your mission and your passion has to be stronger than anything because it's your only motivation, especially at the beginning when you're doing it all by yourself. Yeah, because you get that in your first podcast. Like if you don't, if you're like, well, I don't get like 10,000 views, I'm done. It's like, well, you know, you're probably not going to get 10,000 views on the first one. Right. So, so, so people, sometimes they create unrealistic expectations and then mm-hmm. they're not willing to kind of deal with the fact that like showing up in a world where there's so big, you know, I have audiences, their audience is all over the place. You've never, like you were saying, these like people who walk, listen to your podcast, some people either dig it or understand it and they don't. This is some people don't, doesn't mean you don't, you give up because the ones that, that might be loud or the haters that say they don't like yeah. it. Right. There's always somebody that does like it and you just you do it for them. You know, there's there's always somebody that won't like something. So every time you show up, somebody's going to criticize. Right. But Mm -hmm. at least you're doing something. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm going through it right now because I'm on my uh, in December will be my second year uh, doing podcasting. And it's hard, you know, and I have unrealistic expectations because I have so many episodes, but it's because I do two podcast episodes uh, a week. So, you know, that's a lot of content to put out there. And I'm like, oh, why I haven't got the attraction or whatever. I'm still a nobody out there. Oh, my gosh. But I love it. I love it. I got my 30 listeners on Spotify and 49 subscribers on YouTube. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah, you just, you, as you get out there, you start figuring out how you can get on more platforms and how you can get, you know, your 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 show like propagated to multiple places. And you never know which place is actually going to kick it, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. on so many certain platforms I'm on, numbers aren't good on one platform, but they're good on another. And so, like yeah. to, when you start to propagate your 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 show. And if you, if you have a video show, you can still have an audio version of it. And that's what we do here is like we have the video and it goes to the platform that are video, but it also goes to, you know, a podcast world is primarily still audio. So there are like 11 cool. platforms we're on their audio, even though this is a video yeah. podcast. And we yeah. sometimes will get better numbers on some of those platforms. And so it's like the, mm-hmm. the idea is like sometimes you need to kind of just throw it at the wall and see where it goes. And see what sticks. Yeah, yeah. Pre, pre, like, well, this platform's the only platform. It's like, well, maybe sometimes you should push it as many places as you can, because you'll be surprised that some places start kicking off, and you're like, well, I didn't know they would kick off there. <laughs> and it's just, and you know, you do reels, you do clips. Now we started getting into taking like clips and throwing them up as reels on on Facebook no. and uh, TikTok yeah. and Instagram. And that can give you a lot of people start start coming in if they see key points of your reels. So if you go in yeah. and you do that work, that can help push help push you out further. Because then if you get a core like thirty second, ninety second clip from a podcast and you throw it up as a reel, then suddenly people find out about you. And that's just a yeah. matter of you doing. You, know, you can get other people to do it for you, or you can do it yourself. Like there's nothing to stop you from doing I- it yourself. I noticed that um, I, I, I'm putting too much content out there, but I'm not doing enough marketing. So that's why I am doing podcast guest appearances now. So I have taken a break from taking podcast interviews on my podcast, but now do guest appearances mm-hmm. to promote the show and promote my own journal and notebooks and stuff that I, out there that I'm doing too as well. Yeah, yeah, showing up on other people's podcasts like this—that's a big thing. Like, I have—I actually have to do that more. I mean, I did a couple this year. I need to actually do more, but I do so many interviews that you know, I'm probably doing five a week. Um, I'm, I'm kind yeah, of I'm, I'm close to like, a <laughs> hundred interviews, but I have only done like five guest appearances. <laughs> yeah, I need to do more because they—they they always tell you like that will actually push you push you out there more. So I've actually start I start booking myself as a as you know drop off maybe not do five a week drop down to three a week and do two two appearances on somebody else's podcast to kind of push myself out there. But yeah, I mean sometimes you get I got on a train where like hey I can actually get five or six guests a week. So then like 
Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll keep on doing that. And then sometimes you have to think, well, maybe I need to slow the train down. <laughs> yeah, especially with Podmatch, which is how we found each other. I mean, it's been amazing. I have absolutely love that community and the people that I have gotten from that community. <laughs> yeah, it can really start to propagate. I mean, you can get reviews. And the reviews, if it, in the podcast world, if you start getting people give you like Apple reviews or Spotify reviews, those reviews help get your name pushed up on Google. So you start getting yeah. that Google search authentication, right? So people start saying, well, this guy's got a lot of good reviews and or this podcast has a lot of good reviews and people start getting the word of mouth and then you start getting more guests or you get more appearances because then like if you're a good guest or a good host, then more likely you'll get picked. And then you, mm -hmm. it just starts to, you know, exponential uh, uh, increase in your fan base and in your in the involvement of your audience. And that's the whole thing is they connect. And uh, the more the people get your name out there and they find out what you're about, that's real important. So, I mean, Life with Francie, that, that's your podcast. Is that the name of your podcast? Is that, is that what you... Yep, is that how you Life with Francie. So and you're on how many platforms? Like if you people you're on like YouTube. Yeah, yeah Instagram, TikTok, and my podcast and YouTube are all Life with Francy podcasts. I also have a Life with Francy Facebook group. Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I said LinkedIn. I just started using LinkedIn not too long ago. Uh, yeah. Patreon. I mean, Life with Francy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and well, then you we, can find it on lifewithfrancy.com too. Oh, cool. Yeah, our website. So they, they just everybody, you know, kind of use that key key phrase, life with Francy, but check, you know, click the link tree. I'm sure you've got all your other links off of there. Uh, and then, you know, check it out on any of the platforms. We're going to provide a landing page for this episode everywhere that you watch. So whatever platform you like to listen or watch, this episode will be on that. You know, we'll have that that later today. Uh, for your fan base. And uh, I want to thank you again for being on the podcast. We actually hit our hour mark. And it's always like, it just happens naturally. We always just say, wow, <laughs> it just happens. But It was a good one. It was a good one. I appreciate you. Thank you. And have a, have a great rest of a Sunday. Uh, and thank you for being on the podcast. We appreciate you being on the family. Thank you, sir. And thank you to your listeners. Remember to leave a review on the podcast. <laughs> thank you. Have a good have a good day.